I'm Brett McGarry. This week on the Couch Potatoes, I've got a review of Captain Jack Sparrow's latest adventure, Dead Men Tell No Tales. Plus... I'm Jeff Braun. I did not see any movies this week. Well, I watched Titanic again, but we won't have time to talk about that. Plus... Did you really watch Titanic again? I really did. I also saw Alien Covenant, so I guess I'll tell you about that, too. First, it's the news... From the couch... Enemies to the east. Enemies to the west. Enemies to the south. Enemies to the north. Whatever stands in our way, we will defeat it. The official trailer has arrived for season seven of one of the biggest shows on television, HBO's Game of Thrones. That was the voice of Cersei Lannister, AKA Queen Cersei, who now sits on the Iron Throne of Westeros. We're the last Lannisters. The last ones you count. She is referencing herself and her brother Jamie, and when she says, the ones who count. She means her other brother, Tyrion, does not count, even though he gets to play with dragons now with the person vying for Cersei's spot on the throne, the mother of dragons herself, Daenerys Targaryen. I was born to rule the Seven Kingdoms. And I will. But there are others who are scheming, like Littlefinger trying to manipulate Sansa Stark in Winterfell. Their father and brothers are gone, yet here you stand. Last best hope against the coming storm. And amidst all the scheming and plotting for power is the man with all the common sense, Sir Davos Seaworth, who knows the war against the Night's King is the only one that matters. If we don't put aside our enmities and bound together, we will die. And then it doesn't matter whose skeleton sits on the Iron Throne. Burn! Game of Thrones typically starts in April, but they had to wait so they could do some filming in winter. This will be a shorter season as well, only seven episodes instead of the usual ten, and is said to move along at a much faster pace than we're used to. Also, you may have seen the photo released this week of Daenerys sitting atop her dragon named Drogon. Well, there's an awesome shot of that dragon flying above her army. It looks so cool! I'm dying to see it! Game of Thrones returns July 16th. The Great War is here. A new and presumably final trailer for this summer's Spider-Man Homecoming came out this week. Finally, here we go. Good evening, Peter. Oh, you have 576 possible web shooter combinations. That is awesome. I can keep that suit? Yeah, doesn't fit me. When's our next retreat? What, next mission? We'll call you. All right. That's not a hug. I'm just grabbing the door for you. I'm not there yet. All right, kid. Good luck out there. The new trailer shows off more of Spider-Man's fancy new suit made for him by Tony Stark, a.k.a. Iron Man. Other Spider-Man suits have just been closed. This time, it's a lot more complicated. All sorts of hidden gadgets and whatnot, plus a Siri-type voice to guide him. The new trailer also shows Spidey doing some training and practice. Hey, Peter. You coming tonight? I can't tonight. I got the Stark internship. What's up, guys? 
Mr. Stark, here's my report for tonight. I stopped the Grand Theft Bicycle. Hey, could you do me a favor? Hold on to that. Is this anybody's bike? Oh, I helped this old lady and she bought me a churro. So, that was nice. He may have actually stolen a bike rather than retrieved a stolen bike. And as we know, Peter Parker is hungry to be an Avenger. I just feel like I could be doing more. Listen, Peter, there are people who handle this sort of thing. Can't you just be a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man? Let go of me! Let go of me! Activating parachute. He still has a ways to go before he's ready to avenge. It looks like he'll be tested well against the Vulture. The world's changing, boys. It's time we change, too. That's Michael Keaton as the big bad. They still haven't shown a ton of him in the trailers. He has a big giant set of mechanical wings, which I'm sure will come with a great explanation. Looks weird, though. Mostly, though, it looks like it'll be a coming-of-age story for young Peter Parker. This is my chance to prove myself. We have a Spanish quiz. You gotta get better at this part of the job. I don't understand. Oh, I'm intimidating. Oh, hey, yes. He accidentally crashes into some little girls camping in a backyard. We'll see how it all plays out July 7th. There's a ton of other subsystems in here, but they're all disabled by the training wheels protocol. I'm sick of Mr. Stark treating me like a kid. But you are a kid. Yeah, a kid who can stop a bus with his bare hands. Oh, hello. Deadpool here. I always wanted to be a professional athlete. Because I wanted to have children in cities all over the world. I'll be back. Arnold Schwarzenegger will indeed be back for a new Terminator film. We told you back in January that a new Terminator movie was in development with the series creator James Cameron back in the mix and Deadpool director Tim Miller in the mix as well. Now we can tell you that Schwarzenegger himself has confirmed to Screen Daily that he will be in the movie. Here's what he said. Hasta la vista, baby. He says, quote, it is back. It is moving forward. Cameron has some good ideas of how to continue with the franchise. I will be in the movie, end quote. Hopefully these good ideas are better than the 2015 film Terminator Genesis. It's all wrong. John sent me here to save you. From the Terminator that was sent back to kill me, I know, but we already took care of him. We have been waiting for you. The time John sent you to, it no longer exists. Everything's changed. We can stop Judgment Day from happening. That film was a sort of reboot that was meant to kick off a new trilogy, but it was not received all that well, even with the return of Arnold Schwarzenegger, so they shelved plans to continue down that path. No word yet on if this will be a reboot or a continuation of some sort. Cameron regains the Terminator rights in 2019 and will have Miller direct the film since Cameron will be busy directing four sequels for Avatar. Ladies and gentlemen, you're on Pandora. Up there beyond that fence, every living thing wants to kill you. You should at least make one of those sequels a Titanic sequel, man. What is with you and Titanic this week? <laughs> no. Uh, news this week about the follow-up to a Smash movie from earlier this year called Get Out. 
You got your toothbrush. Check. Do you have your deodorant? Check. Do you have your cozy clothes? Got that. What? Do they know I'm black? Should they? You might wanna, you know. Mom and Dad, my black boyfriend will be coming up this weekend. I just don't want you to be shocked that he's a black man. <laughs> I ain't never seen you like this before, bruh. Meet families taking road trips. Don't come back all bougie, man. Come back, got your damn pants up to your damn stomach. <laughs> <laughs> The social thriller from writer-director Jordan Peele was a surprise smash hit earlier this year, raking in $230 million worldwide on a $5 million budget. It was also the first film from a black writer-director to reach $100 million. That's sort of a weird stat, but race plays a big part in the movie. Part of the surprise also came from the fact that a guy we all know as a hilarious comic actor made a chilling, scary movie. If you haven't seen it, it's about a young black man who visits his white girlfriend's family estate, and he learns the family, even though they don't seem to care about his race, they are kind of weird. Call me Dean and hug me, my man. So how long has this been going on, this, this thing? <laughs> we hired Georgina and Walter to help care for my parents. When they died, I couldn't bear to let them go. And he comes to realize there is something very wrong with the handful of black people that are in the area. I don't watch scary movies, as you know, but I watched this one, and I loved it. Have you seen it yet, Brett? I have not. I'm getting it in the mail next week. I'll lend it to you. Excellent. If you haven't seen it, put it on the top of your list. It's available to stream or buy right now. Um, we found out this week Peel's follow-up will arrive March 15th. 2019, according to The Hollywood Reporter. Peel has a new deal with Universal that'll let him produce a bunch of stuff and direct a new movie with a bigger budget. It's believed he'll do something in a similar vein, not a direct sequel or anything. Hopefully something as fresh and original, though. First, he's got a much more important job. He's becoming a dad. His wife, Chelsea Peretti, whom you may know as Gina from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, is expecting a baby sometime in the next nine months, I guess. But Peel will be back to work soon enough. Hopefully we see the actor who played Rod in Get Out, Lil Rel Howery, in whatever it is that Peel's cooking up. So look, I go do my research. Apparently, a whole bunch of brothers been missing in this suburb. But it's cool. Bro, how are you not scared of this, man? <laughs> That is the news from the couch, and I'm just trying to find the clip here from Titanic. My favorite part of that movie, I think. Billy I'll never Zane. Let go, Jack. No, Billy Zane takes a lot of flack for that movie, but I like him in that movie. He knows what he's doing in that movie. I love when he it's... says, "Look at me, you filth." <laughs> I don't know why. That's just my. Look at me, you filth. He doesn't even have the... an accent. Remember the Picasso bit? It'll never amount to anything. <laughs> so cheap. And also, fun fact: uh, do you, you don't watch, or have you ever watched Young and the Restless? Uh, nope. I used to watch Days of Our Lives when I was in college, but that was twenty years ago. Are you familiar with the name Victor Newman? Oh yes. So he's the the big the big guy from the Y and the R. He has a brief role in Titanic. Eric. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eric Braden. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember. I know. I know the the actor. Yeah. Okay. Well. All right. It's a very small role. It's, every time I watch Titanic, I think. Why is his role so small? Yeah. He's like one of the most recognizable faces in that movie, especially at the time it came out. He actually used to have a, a, a and like I think a, he had a legitimate gripe that why are soap opera stars, why don't they get endorsement deals or more endorsement deals because they're just as recognizable to 
a particular audience. It's true. Than any other actor because they're on it. The people who watch soap operas watch them faithfully. They stay with them for years. So they recognize, like, I haven't watched Young and the Restless for 15 years, probably 20 years. But I still still on it? Oh, yeah. I still recognize Victor and Nikki and Jack Abbott and Bradley Carlton. I don't know what show Bradley Carlton's on anymore, but if I see their faces, I recognize them. I think they should be in more commercials. Anyway, that was a weird side You should track. be their agent. We're going to tell you what's new to home video in a moment. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett taking a look now at what's new on home video this coming week. A couple of DVDs and Blu-rays coming out on Tuesday the 30th, including The Comedy Fist Fight. Where's the old coffee maker? Look at this newfangled. All you gotta do is put in your order and it does the rest. Coffee. You know, I'll just, I'll do it for you. These students mess with this school all day. You think this is funny? I'm gonna show you what's funny. He did it. I'm gonna fight you. Teachers don't bite. Snitches get stitches. What is that, baby oil? What you got? I'm gonna give you some of this. Fist fight, bring it on. Starring Ice Cube and Charlie Day as a couple of teachers. Charlie gets Cube fired. Cube says, I'm going to beat you up after school, boy. And then I guess they fight at the end. I never saw it. It got terrible reviews and didn't do much at the box office. That that surprises me. Uh, You know, with that cast and the premise. I don't know. It looks great, but... It seems like one of those things is like, oh, if they released it three months later, maybe it's a big hit movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just one of those random things. You never know. Uh, There's another movie called The Shack, which also did terribly and looked even worse. Uh, Suits, season six. I know a lot of people into Suits. You want to pick up season six? That's out on Tuesday. Um, Over on Netflix, a movie I've missed last year, Doctor Strange, is coming out on Tuesday on Netflix. You haven't seen it yet? No. So I'm looking forward to finally getting to watch that next week. But of course, next Tuesday on Netflix... Everyone will be talking about season five of House of Cards. The American people don't know what's best for them. I do. I know exactly what they need. They're like little children, Claire. We have to hold their sticky fingers and wipe their filthy mouths. Teach them right from wrong. Tell them what to think and how to feel and what to want. They even need help writing their wildest dreams, crafting their worst fears. Lucky for them, they have me. Have you started watching this show yet? I have not. Yeah, I haven't I watched House of Cards either. Don't really have any plans to. It's not. It's not even on my list. And it, if I put it on the list, it wouldn't be high. And it was their their first big drama, right? Netflix? Yeah, it was. Yeah, the first time that there was like what Netflix making their own shows now. That's weird. Yeah, yeah. they got Kevin Spacey and Robin Wright. How do they do that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So and it's obviously, as you know, set off a thing. That's basically all they do now. So there you go. And I know everyone talks about it. It's weird that we don't watch it. Well, it's not that weird because we we watch a lot of television, an unhealthy amount of television, and we still don't even scratch the surface of what is out there. I think last year, or maybe it was this year there, no, it was last year, there were 455 shows just in the United States. (laughs) Never mind any shows that you might watch on Netflix that are from the United Kingdom or shows that... Hail from Canada, like this year I watched Cardinal. That's not counted in that total. Plus you watch all your uh, Norwegian shows. (laughs) <laughs> I did watch, yes, Trapped from Iceland, and Iceland, I do want to watch The Bridge, which is, uh, I believe, a Swedish-Danish production. And what's the other one that there's the American version and the European version? That's The Bridge. No, no, no. Oh, wait. Uh, 
I don't know, church, something, Broadchurch. Oh, Broadchurch. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Broadchurch <laughs> and uh, Grace Point. Yeah. Well, because go. the bridge had an American version. And it also had uh, an English version, so it's done been done three times. There's oh the God. original Scandinavian, then the the Brits did a version, and then the Americans did a version, which was cancelled. Uh, also, want to just quickly point out, I, I I looked up the shack, and while it was terrible, got terrible reviews. Did it do all right? It made fifty seven million in. North America, and its worldwide total was eighty nine million. Yeah, so that's not, and the all budget probably bad. wasn't nothing near. That. It's like a religious movie too. So, those movies do tend to do actually fairly they do not, quietly well. They just don't get a lot of headlines. No, and they don't get the best reviews. And I'm just pulling up the shack right now. And they're not making their money in L. A. and New York, where the articles are being written, and the title's just silly. The shack. <laughs> Up next, we're going to talk about a couple of movies I went to see this week, Pirates of the Caribbean, Alien, and we're going to talk some Survivor. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brad, he's Jeff, we are The Couch Potatoes, going to talk the Survivor finale in a moment. Spoilers ahead. Yes, there will be spoilers. I want to quickly just tell you, though, about some of the season finales and season premieres that are coming your way over the next seven days. As far as finales go, Lucifer wraps up its second season on Fox on Monday. That's a top 20 show in Canada, by the way. Tuesday, Prison Break, the return season, that wraps up on Fox and season, what is it, five now of the Americans on FX? I believe so. Second last season anyways. I think it, yeah, I don't know the numbers. Thursday, the finale for The Amazing Race on CBS is on. And then as far as premieres go, so actually it, it debuted this weekend as of Friday, May 26th, the latest season of Bloodline on Netflix. Watch that one. I don't. Coach Taylor uh, got nominated for Emmy last year, right? That's right. Coach yeah. Taylor from Friday Night Lights. He's a, he's a tremendous actor. He is. I can't remember his the name of the actor, but yeah, Coach Taylor, good for you. Thanks for bringing that up. He was also the dead brother in Manchester by the That scene. is true. <laughs> Spoiler alert on that movie as well. And he was a cop in uh, Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> That's right. Oh, and he was the guy who blew up in the Grey's Anatomy bomb episode. Really? Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> He is he's Kyle Chandler. That's his name. There you and go. And he's the dad in Super 8, which is a great movie. Which oh, yeah. That's yeah. right. Yeah. His list of accolades is tremendous. Monday, whose line is it anyway? The CW. Something called Still Star Crossed on ABC. Nope. I'm sure it's a quality summer program. Mm-hmm. Tuesday, we mentioned House of Cards already for Netflix. There's another show on Netflix coming called F is for Family. Uh, what else is there, Jeff? America's Got Talent, World of Dance, and Fear Factor, trio of uh, reality shows. Here. World of Dance is the new one from Jennifer Lopez. and uh, Is it a reality show? I just assumed it yeah, was. Yeah, it's like a So You Think You Can Dance kind of competition, I believe. And Fear Factor, I mean, that's a return, right? That Oh, yeah, I guess so. Is Rogan back? I actually meant to look that up, He's and then He's got to be too busy. Okay, Remember you look that week? up. I'll keep going on okay. here. On Wednesday on Fox, Master Chef starts up again. The Kingdom starts up. Uh, it's an audience network in the U.S., Crave TV here in Canada, The Carmichael Show on NBC, and The F Word with Gordon Ramsay over on Fox. Oh, it's ludicrous. <laughs> Luda. He's hosting Fear Factor. <laughs> That suddenly got interesting. <laughs> Jeff's going to have to watch it now because it's fast and furious. Oh, man. All right. Can we talk Survivor now? Yep. Survivor finale Wednesday. The stage is set. After 36 days, who wants it more? For the wildest, most historic night ever. You stab me in the back. Six game changers. 
and three immunity idols remain. Oh my God. Who will win the million dollars? Because I won't want to be funny business. I'm not. And the title of Soul Survivor. This game is like no other. This is far from over. The Survivor Game Changers season finale, followed by the live reunion show, CBS Wednesday. And on Global. Another stellar ending to another stellar season. Uh, I like the winner, Sarah. She played a great game. She may have played, I would say, one of the top five games of all time. Yeah, the she way, really did. Just she's just walking that tightrope all the way through it because, like she said, she was always in the middle. It's like I'm the swing vote, and swing votes never last long. And she swung vote so long for so hard and made so many things fall the way she wanted to. Tremendous. But I'm a Siri a Siri fan, so I was upset the way she went out. Yeah, it was fun to see. It was weird because it never happened before where she was everyone else was safe except her with immunity idols and such. So, but I was. I was bumming hard for Sari. I, I was, she's the best player to have never won the game. Yeah, mind. no, you're right. She is an excellent player, although she really screwed up the previous week. Yeah. So I have to wonder what sort of chances she would have had had she made it to the final. But that, I think, was probably the most interesting part of not just the finale, but maybe the season was that travel council and a season full of wild travel yeah. councils to see five of the six people safe from the vote. Yeah. Unprecedented, and Jeff pointed it out. It was historic. The, in one tribal council, three immunity idols are played, five people are safe, and the first person ever to be eliminated Without simply by process of elimination. Yeah. Really. No one else could have possibly gone. I think that this has been... I... I think this has been my favorite season. And really? I feel like I'm saying this over and over and over yeah. again, but it just keeps getting better. What is me. it, like the fast five... Five seasons, at least. You just said the Fast Five. The Fast Five? Because you have Fast and Furious on the brain. The last five seasons have all been stellar, and this was like after the show took a bit of a dip to the point where we, you know, you'd, in the back of your head start wondering, well, maybe Survivor's just done. Yep. But now it's like, why would they ever stop? Yeah. It's been on such a roll. The seasons have been so good. And it still uh, gets a lot of gets good ratings, doesn't it? Well, particularly in Canada, it's, yeah. a, it's not just top 20, it's top, like, right there up near one and two. Right. Uh, the latest ratings that I checked were from early May. It was the number two show in Canada. So it's consistently right up near the top, if not at the top in Canada. And you would Canada. think, I mean, it's a big production, but overall it's still a pretty cheap show for CBS to make. And I mean, oh. all the reality shows are, that's why they do them, so. For sure. Yeah. And uh, this one continues to deliver solid entertainment. Just very quickly, what do you think of the next season, The Heroes, Healers, and Hustlers? I laughed out loud. I was like, that is a stupid title. Yeah. But, I mean, it's like so many, so often the gimmick thing by the third episode is just a wash and it's done with anyway, so whatever. Yeah, I sort of chuckled as well. I thought, okay, they're really stretching now for gimmicks because every season is a gimmick. It's not just yeah. Survivor. Yes. Yeah. Survivor. They should do X. that one. To survivor plane. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the basics. That would actually be a good one. Like with no immunity idols and none of the other little tricks that whatever has popped up along the way. Like if we went back and watched that first season to see what the original rules were, I wonder how different it would be now. I have never actually seen the first season. Oh, yeah. I didn't sp- I didn't start watching until season four, which I think was Marquesas. Yes, the first Boston Rob season. Why do I know that? Because we are sad. Up next, I'm going to tell you about Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales, and Alien Covenant. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Brett McGarry, Jeff Braun, we are The Couch Potatoes, and this weekend it is time to go back to the Caribbean. Jeff Barrow. 
Do you know this pirate? Only by name. Have a review for you of the fifth Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Nintendo Tales. Thank you, Javier Bardem. Indeed, it is called Dead Men Tell No Tales. Being advertised as the final chapter in the Pirate Saga, which began in 2003, starring Johnny Depp as the drunk pirate Jack Sparrow in Pirates of the Caribbean Curse of the Black Pearl. As you may recall, the film was inspired by the Disney ride Pirates of the Caribbean, so no one really expected it to be any good, a movie based on an amusement park ride, but it turned out to be a blast and was a huge hit. The sequel, Dead Man's Chest, arrived in 2006, At World's End arrived in 2007, On Stranger Tides debuted in 2011, and now we have Dead Men Tell No Tales, which has Bardem as the antagonist, a ghost pirate leading a team of ghost pirates on a hunt for Captain Jack. Pirates had infected the seas for generations. So I vowed to eliminate them all. Jack Sparrow cursed me. I will have my revenge. That's right. More dead pirates want to kill Jack Sparrow. And yet, he is still alive. He's also still always drunk. I once knew a Spaniard named something in Spanish. He's coming for you, Jack. Where's your ship? Your crew? Your pants? Jack! I'm so sorry, were you still talking? As mentioned, this is the fifth Pirates movie. It's also the worst reviewed Pirates movie. Looking at the Rotten Tomatoes, Curse of the Black Pearl. Actually, was a good one as far as reviews go, 79%. Then Dead Man's Chest, 54%. At World's End, 45%. On Stranger Tides, 32%. And the last time I had a look at Dead Men Tell No Tales on Rotten Tomatoes, 31%. So this latest one has the lowest score, but I would argue that it actually easily better than the previous effort on Stranger Tides because this film circles back to the original characters. On Stranger Tides veered off in a new direction bringing us new characters to replace Elizabeth Swan and Will Turner played in the original three movies by Kira Knightley and Orlando Bloom. It just, I don't know, it, it felt like a TV show that loses some of its main characters but tries to keep going. Kind of like that 70s show. Plus, it continued the trend of bigger spectacle, adding up to diminishing returns as far as story goes. The first Pirates was a joy because it was a combination of great characters surrounded by spectacular visuals. So the visuals supplemented the story. But the second and third movies in particular, I think, became more about the visuals. And then by the end of the third movie, there was so much CG, it actually took me out of the action and just sort of swallowed up the story. So I think by the time the fourth one came out, I didn't really care. It just felt like enough is already like enough already. And uh, even with Ian McShane as the bad guy, Blackbeard, 
So for this fifth one, given the reviews were poor going in, I expected to agree with the bad reviews. So I was pleasantly surprised to find myself enjoying the film. I love Johnny Depp as Captain Jack Sparrow, and maybe maybe that's why I liked it, because there's been it's been six years since the last movie. There's been enough separation, I don't know. Javier Bardem created a really formidable antagonist, and this series has always had solid antagonists, I think. His Captain Salazar is scary, but I think, <clears throat> pardon me, I think he's kind of ruined by just how CGI he is and his crew, they're so CG, it's distracting. It's a neat effect, yes, but the the dead pirate thing, many of them are lacking faces, which were blown up when their ship went down. So it, it's kind of distracting because it's so clearly a special effect. And it has that been there, done that feel to it. I mean, there are so many menacing pirate ghosts in this series of films. Can we not have people who are just alive? Does it have to be ghost pirates all the time? I was also somewhat confused with how Bardem and his men were brought back as ghosts, why they continue to exist. Either it was poorly explained, not explained at all, or I just wasn't paying attention. I don't know. Aside from Salazar and his men being a little too CG for my liking, the effects were still spectacular, and I felt like this time the effects served the story as opposed to just being there, being big for the sake of it. Jeffrey Rush is back as Captain Barbosa. He's always been tremendous fun in the role, especially because you never know if you should be rooting for him or against him. And in this film, what you end up with is totally unexpected, and even though it's kind of hokey, it's a pleasant surprise, I think. There are a couple of other pleasant surprises, too, which I will leave for you to find out. As mentioned, it's being marketed as the final chapter. However, there is a scene at the end of the credits which seems to hint at a possible sixth Pirates movie. I suppose they put that in there just in case Johnny Depp decides he needs another big payday. My bottom line assessment, it's very much what we've seen before. I mean, don't expect anything really new. Captain Jack Sparrow getting into his usual drunken shenanigans. Lots of physical comedy with some elaborate gags. Great visual effects. And of course, they're on the hunt for some sort of a mystical artifact. I liked it. I brought my buddy Kent. He liked it. I don't know. Keep your expectations low and just enjoy the ride. It was silly and it was fun. So I'm going to give Pirates of the Caribbean Dead Men Tell No Tales three couch cushions out of five. But I do hope that this is the end, because it felt like a good final movie with Captain Jack Sparrow literally sailing off into the sunset. want to tell you about another movie that I saw this week, the sequel to the prequel, Alien Covenant. It's been five years since the Ridley Scott movie Prometheus, the first of three prequels to Scott's legendary horror, sci-fi Alien. It was set in 2093. The Prometheus expedition went looking for humanity's creators, and it did not go well for anyone involved. Now in Alien Covenant, in this new film, the crew of the colony ship Covenant discovers a planet that seems to be an uncharted paradise. This is wheat. What are the odds of finding human vegetation this far from Earth? Who planted it? 
You hear that? What? Nothing. No birds. No animals. Nothing. Turns out it's not a paradise, it's more like a purgatory. And since this is an alien movie, after all, things do not go well. give you a heads up that there are two prologue clips that were released online before the release of this film that helped bridge some of the gap between Prometheus and Covenant. The first one is called Last Supper. The second is called The Crossing. They're short clips. Both are helpful going into this film. I'll tell you as well that Covenant stars Michael Fassbender, Catherine Waterston. She was in Fantastic Beasts last fall. Billy Crudup, Danny McBride, James Franco in an uncredited role, and an angry alien. That was the alien making angry noises. Don't have time to get into the full review here. I'm going to put the full review on the podcast, which you can get at iTunes or Google Play in the final 30 seconds I've got left here. I'll just quickly say I liked this more than Prometheus. I think the, the climactic action sequence at the end was a huge thrill. It was worth seeing on the big screen. I think it took too long to get going, though. More than half of the movie felt like setup, and then by the time it got going, it was a little bit much. I'll give Alien Covenant three and a half couch cushions out of five. Full review on the podcast, Google Play or iTunes. I'm Brett, he's Jeff, we are the Couch Potatoes. Remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother. As promised, here are my full thoughts on Alien Covenant, which once again focuses on the Covenant ship, which has a small crew carrying some 2,000 passengers as they head off to a new planet that they've discovered where they're looking to start a new human colony. You've all sacrificed so much to be here and be a part of this thing we're doing. This crew is made up of couples. It's the first ever large-scale colonization mission. And everyone back on Earth is really grateful for your hard work. And your courage. We're making history here. So Alien Covenant had a $36 million opening last weekend, which is a bit of a disappointment for the film. In June of 2012, Prometheus had a $51 million opening. So I'm wondering if it was that film that turned people off of this one, Alien Covenant, or maybe people simply didn't know that Alien Covenant was a direct follow-up to Prometheus and kind of thought, another Alien movie? Seriously? I'm going to address both of those points here by first referring to the original film from 1979, which was, of course, simply called Alien, which was a one-off science fiction horror film. And it was brilliant. There was no need for an origin story. There was no need for a sequel. It told a self-contained story, and it was dynamite. 
It's not a criticism of the fact that we've got prequels and sequels. I'm just saying it was a one-off story, and it was genius. We did get a sequel, because it didn't need a sequel, but we got one. Aliens, from director James Cameron. He took it in a different direction from the first movie, which was a claustrophobic nightmare. He opted instead for the big action movie, and it too was brilliant. And once again, it told a nice, self-contained story. So, I'll address that first point, that maybe Prometheus turned a lot of people off. When it's announced there are going to be three prequels, I suppose it really shouldn't be a surprise that the movies will provide questions and not necessarily immediate answers, because three prequels implies that they will all tie together somehow, and that's a trend in storytelling in general today, whether it's in films or in television shows. It's a lot of planting of seeds for stuff that's going to come somewhere down the road. Not in this film, maybe the next one, or maybe the one after that. Problem with Prometheus is that it left so many questions unanswered to the point where it was just frustrating and confusing. I remember enjoying it the first time I saw it, and I recently watched it again, and I think I actually enjoyed it more the second time out, but I still had tons of questions, and I was still frustrated by the fact that so many questions were left unanswered, because I have no problem with this world-building kind of storytelling, but I still think the movie should stand on its own legs, and Prometheus does not stand on its own legs. It's kind of confusing, and you clearly need... It's just a puzzle piece, so that really frustrated me. I was hoping the questions that I had from Prometheus would be answered in Covenant. Some of them were answered, some of them were not. Although maybe the ones that weren't answered don't really matter. But if that's the case, then that annoys me, because it almost feels like Prometheus was one big fake-out that eventually leads us to the events in Covenant. The second point, where maybe people didn't know that Covenant was a sequel to Prometheus, is because it's presented in the marketing as a brand new story. And while that is true, I mean, we have new characters on their own adventure that that is completely unrelated to the previous film. They're heading to this distant planet to colonize it. But it does tie into the events of the previous film, which was set only 10 years earlier. So as far as the movie goes, I think that they did a really bad job of letting us know that, hey, this is, yeah, it's a new story, but it's also a continuation of the previous story. So if you saw Prometheus, then you want to see Alien Covenant. And this isn't just some other alien movie like Aliens vs. Predator, which doesn't really have anything to do with the alien canon, so to speak. So as far as this film goes, we meet our new characters, our new cast of characters on the Covenant ship. We meet Michael Fassbender's new character. He plays another android, Walter, this time. In the previous movie, he was David. I was intrigued by these characters and what they have set out to do how they find the planet that they eventually make their way to. But it takes a really long time to get moving. You know, there is a lot of setup in this film. I didn't time it, but it felt like more than half of the movie's two-hour runtime was just set up. Eventually, things start to happen, particularly bad things start to happen, and business finally picks up. Unfortunately, with the main alien that ends up being featured... This movie relies too heavily on CG and lightning-fast editing. So there are scenes where 
it's virtually impossible to follow the action or see what's going on, or the action simply doesn't hit you as hard as it could because you know it is CG. And I I don't say this because, like, I don't want to play the old man yells at cloud card here, but the old school practical alien effects I thought were always scary and super effective. So I don't really understand the need to go CG where it isn't necessary. When you know that the practical effects are going to be scary, why make it CG? I don't know. I will say the climactic action sequence at the end is a huge barn burner. It goes on for 10, 15, maybe 20 minutes. I don't know. By the end of it, when it's all over, I could hear the theater, the people in the theater exhale. Everybody was holding their breath. I was on the edge of my seat and I was waiting to exhale just as my buddy who I went with, he kind of, uh, it was just, it was that kind of a thrill. It was a, an intense thrill ride. And the ending to the film was extremely satisfying. So I'm looking forward to the threequel of the prequel to Alien. Overall, Alien Covenant takes a while to get going, but it does have an interesting cast of characters, spectacular visuals. It does answer some questions from Prometheus, so that at least satisfies that need that I had going in. And it left me wanting more as we await the final prequel. The Alien, sadly... Too CG, just way too CG, and thus nowhere near as scary as it could have been. But the final throwdown was genuinely satisfying. So I'm going to give Alien Covenant three and a half couch cushions out of five. Thank you for listening to the podcast, all three of you, maybe two of you, I don't know. I'm Brett McGarry once again for Jeff Braun. We are the Couch Potatoes. And we've got the, I think the June movie preview is next week. Yes, the June movie preview. Exciting. And I will have a review of Wonder Woman. Goodbye.